What is going on, everybody? I am Raymond Summerlin here on the Sharp Angles podcast with Dan Pizzuta. We are excited to be here. We're in the midst of the Warren book, Sharp book preview season. And as part of that, we all rank our, the units of the NFL. We rank quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers. We, we skimp a little bit on the defenses. I won't lie to you about that. We, we put those at like front seven and secondary. Like we got a little, like it was like we went quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Oh, there's so many more of these positions. Let's just group them all together. And so, uh, so yeah, so we, we do all those unit rankings and we thought, you know, it'd be awesome to talk a little bit through these as we're doing these rankings in May, as we're thinking through it, talk about these interesting situations and the you know dan's the best person to talk about this stuff with so i'm very excited to be here with you dan and i appreciate you joining yeah let's let's do this uh, it is a, a fun time a lot of you know the middle of may when there's not a lot else going on is a good time to kind of sit back and you know go through this you uh this year kind of joined in with our uh, our team needs where it's not so much team needs we just kind of go through all of the players on on every team, uh, so that gets us a, a little bit showing what these uh, these rosters kind of look like and what it is going to be going into the season. Uh, so now, when we get to these unit rankings, and uh, luckily we're we're not going to be actually ranking uh, today, so there's nothing for uh, the listeners yeah, to, to get helpful. mad about. We're just kind of going to talk about some of the the more interesting uh, units that that we see here. Yeah, and that's kind of what we wanted to do. I mean, I'm having, I think everyone that we're going to talk about here is a team that as I started to put down my initial rankings, it was a team I struggled with, where I said, I don't really know what to what to do with this group, with this team. I like to, anytime I do rankings, I'm an old fantasy football writer. I like to make tiers and I'm like, what tier should these people, does these teams really be going into? And so it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be good to talk it through. Before we get to that, however, I do, I do have some promos to do we just if you're listening to this on a on a friday we just this week launched our sharp fantasy football draft kit most of the content in that will be written by rich rebar some of it will be written by me i apologize in advance for that content and all the poor takes that will be part of that but we are really excited to offer it you can go to sharpfootballanalysis.com you can find our sharp football draft kit you can go to our Twitter, you can go to Rich's Twitter, you can go to my Twitter, at Lord Reeves, at RM Summerlin, and find all the information. There's gonna be a ton of content added to it throughout the summer. We already have a ton of content in there, and we're gonna keep adding through the summer. I'm writing a team preview, a fantasy team preview for every single team in the NFL. So if you're interested in fantasy football, this is gonna be a great way to get started. So, so make sure you go and check that out. But let's get to it. And I think one of the, one of the more interesting places to start is actually a player who was great in fantasy last year before he got injured, and that's Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. And it's an interesting place for for one very specific reason, and that's just what what's going to happen with Tua moving forward. You know, Tua was legitimately good last year. There's no other way to say that. He was second in EPA per play behind Mahomes. He was second among qualified um, a qualified quarterbacks and adjusted yards per attempt. The offense helped. We have seen, we'll talk about another Shanahan offense here in just a second that can elevate quarterbacks. And so the offense certainly helped, but he was 11th in EPA under pressure. So it wasn't like it was just the easy throws that he was making. So it was a great season for him, but 
is he going to be able to stay healthy moving forward after what we saw last year? So it's just a weird, weird situation. Kind of what's your, what's your, I guess, take on where they stand at quarterback? Yeah, it's certainly a weird place. And what makes it harder to figure out is because like the concussions are not a normal injury, right? You're not, it's not a, not a hamstring where you can kind of work it back. It's, it's, it's a, a very serious thing. And obviously the, the more you get, the more susceptible you are to getting them again. So it's a tough thing because I, I think we have to take a look at the offensive line because I think that was also a big piece of why the offense was the way it was last year. And I think when you look at how quickly Tua was able to get rid of the ball, and I wrote about this kind of midway through the season, um, I think he was getting the ball out, you know, quicker than just about any other quarterback. And I think a lot of that was one, it was because of the speed and it allowed, you know, Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle to get down the field. But I think that was the way they were compensating for the, the offensive line. Uh, So if you got the ball out quickly, they didn't have to the pass block for quite as long. And if we go back to like the, the Shanahan style system like that, it's just a lot of more of the, the play action. You're kind of booting out, getting out of the pocket. That's how he protects some of the offensive line there. So when the dolphins were doing that, the, the offense was, was going really well. And two was doing things that we haven't like really seen. So like Brady a little bit, but like it was a, Carson like Palmer esque and the kind of looked of like players who had like a nine or more a dot by getting rid of the ball in two and a half seconds or less on average. Um, and it's like Brady and then like a whole bunch of seasons of Carson Palmer. And like those are the quarterbacks that do it. It's just like we don't see that yeah. type of quick passing that far down the field. Uh, and Tua was able to do that. I think that is something his skill set uniquely allows him to do um because he is such a good processor he is very accurate so as long as they can kind of keep him upright and i think that's going to be uh, something that all of everyone involved has to be doing i think Tua has to be a little better at kind of finding a check down and, and not extending plays when he shouldn't um i think the offensive line has to be a little better so i as long as and, and again it's it's a weird thing because you can't you don't really know like when a next concussion is going to hit, which is a a very scary proposition, but if they can keep him protected in that way, like this is a very good offense, I think because of the quarterback he's, I don't think he's just, you know, along for the ride, like his ability to push the ball down the field like that. And we kind of saw what it looked like when Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson were in there. And Teddy Bridgewater is, is a good enough quarterback, like capable enough backup, but it, the timing just wasn't the same because he was not able to do kind of the type of offense that, that Tua did. So I, I think it, it's a very specific type of thing that Tua does bring to the offense that does help uh, what it, it helps bring out what everyone else uh, can do in that offense. And I think that that's a fair point where, you know, like if you're comparing it to, and we're going to talk about San Francisco in a second, but if you're comparing it to San Francisco, they keep putting in quarterbacks that continue to do whatever Jimmy Garoppolo was doing, right? They put in CJ Beathard and CJ Beathard is able to play that way. They put in Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy is able to play that way. And we saw with the Dolphins last year that when we got to the other quarterbacks and not even just Skylar Thompson, who, you know, it doesn't seem like it's there for Skylar Thompson, but Teddy Bridgewater is a, a fine NFL backup quarterback. And it, it didn't work the same when, when he was in there. And, 
kind of to that point, my real concern moving forward is this backup situation because they brought in Mike White. And I think that we might have a oversized view of what Mike White is because we were comparing him to Joe Flacco yes. and literally the worst quarterback in the league, Zach Wilson. And so we have a kind of like a, a, a maybe outsized view of how good Mike White was last year and had been the year before among 52 quarterbacks, at least hundred plays in 2022 white was 47th in completion rate over expected. He was actually worse than Wilson in completion rate over expected. So it's, it's not a good situation still behind two. In fact, I would say the situation behind him is probably worse this season than it was last season. I'd, I'd rather have Teddy Bridgewater than Mike white as the, as the backup. And so all of that makes me makes me move Miami down the rankings more than they should be. If I was just ranking, this is the starter, and I think he's going to be healthy. I think they're they're easily probably top twelve, right? Top ten. Like they're in a good situation, but that that injury concern, and then that that fact that Mike White is the one behind him. Like I, you have to move him down. And if we're talking about long term then it becomes, I think, an, an even bigger concern and one they might have to grapple with. Because as you mentioned, this offense is good. This defense is good. This team is ready to win now, right now, even in that division with the with the teams that they're going to be going up against. They're ready to win now. They were winning last year with Tua. And if they're going to waste this roster, we saw what happened with the Colts when they wasted good rosters playing quarterback roulette. That's not really something that that they can do. So it's a really it's a really tough and interesting kind of situation. Another one that's interesting to me, and it's very similar, we're going to follow this coaching tree, is San Francisco. And San Francisco is interesting because, like I talked about, you know, whereas Tua elevated Miami's offense, when when Brock Purdy came in last year, and we were excited about Brock Purdy, he was Mr. Irrelevant, and he came in and played well. That's that's impressive for that he did that, but. He was basically just Jimmy Garoppolo with slightly better touchdown luck. And it's great when you could hit on a seventh round player that could be Jimmy Garoppolo. That's wonderful. But Brock Purdy is your best option. Trey Lance has been awful. Maybe Sam Darnold is, as one beat reporter said, the best thrower in 49ers history, which is the hmm. most May thing I've ever heard a reporter say. But I doubt that that's true. So it's, you know, this is another team built to win right now. Maybe Brock Purdy can bring them there like Jimmy G used to bring them there. But you have to be like a little bit disillusioned with this quarterback situation, especially what Trey Lance has, has become or I guess not become. The, the, yeah, this whole 49, I, I, I don't I don't get it. Um it's strange, right? And and the other thing going into this is not that like we're trying to figure out who the quarterback is going to be, which would be a thing on its own, right? We're trying to figure out who's going to be healthy going into this the quarterback competition, right? We have the the UCL for um for Brock Purdy. He should be able to throw like during the off season, but like we're not totally sure. Uh, Trey Lance is coming over. Uh, coming from the the foot injury um so we don't know exactly when he's going to be healthy like he should be expected by the start of the season but like we, we also don't know so that throws a whole other just kind of element uh into this which would already be such a weird quarterback dynamic without that but then we throw in the injuries to the two guys we would expect to be 
you know, one and two, and then you just have, you know, Sam Darnold uh, sitting there as the, the number three guy who might have to start in, in a, so, and like, no, no. if he does, he, he's going to be didn't fine. say his name, right? He's, you didn't say his name, right? The most talented 49ers thrower of all time, Sam Darnold. That's his, that's his official Correct. title. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, so we've seen what Darnold can do when he is like, just schemed up like crazy. There were, you know, some bits, uh, the the early season two years ago uh with with carolina uh when joe brady just did absolutely everything he could to to put training wheels around that offense it was a very low a dot uh, and and he looked good for a little bit and then it kind of exposed him and the panthers were bad and then we kind of saw a little bit last year toward the end of the season when he had to to come in um there were a couple of times when he, he can put together streaks when everything else around him is great and you know that's a situation that san francisco is going to be in um it doesn't necessarily mean sam Darnold's good but i think that kind of goes back to the the brock purdy thing when you kind of go back and like look at what purdy was doing it was impressive in a sense that it was you know a seventh round pick who was coming in there but like we've seen this in a, a shanahan type quarterback before who just kind of comes in so like I said he was like Jimmy Garoppolo with a little more downfield ability right he was able to you know throw outside the numbers uh like 20 or more yards down the field which was just a throw that was not available to the 49ers when Garoppolo was quarterback it just it wasn't in the offense because he just couldn't do it so a lot of it was middle of the field and a lot of that was still going we saw George Kittle was was more involved when uh, Purdy was there because he kind of you know he's that's smart guy he knows where you know the the good players are going to be on the field so we kind of had that it was throwing into a lot of open windows right i think during uh you know one of those playoff games it was you know i think he had two throws into you know tight coverage which the next time stats says is you know a yard of separation or, or fewer so those those throws just weren't there if something was covered there was another option that was going to be more open and he is good at finding that so it kind of just puts them in a situation where it's not going to be something that you know elevates the offense he is you know that kind of guy that's going to be able to take advantage of whatever the offense gives them and uh, the lance thing is, is still weird because like the real like one game we saw of him was this monsoon game in week one uh where you know justin fields looked terrible but there were still some throws that trey lance made that were probably the best throws of like singular throws of the 49er season uh there were like two or three that he really made but overall it was a terrible game to try to throw um and then he gets hurt early in the next game so we don't really know what trey lance is either um so it's 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 such a it's such a weird thing and i think just throwing the the injuries on top of all of this uh it's just like the one thing i do know is like the 49ers quarterback situation is going to be fine like i'm not going to be worried about the production of the quarterback but when I'm just kind of, you know, putting it together over, you know, how are you stacking it above like what you like for other quarterback situations, you know, it's not going to be that high, but I'm not worried about it when it comes down to whoever gets on the field. Like I want to expand a little bit on Lance there because what I think is interesting about him is he's been bad, like bad. Like there's no other way, like his 17.6% off target throw rate from PFF. Um, only Zach Wilson and Marcus Mariota were worse uh, last year. That's his career rate. And so if you even take the monsoon out of it, the year before, it was awful. But, you know, he allegedly had this finger injury that was affecting him. And so there are 
there are excuses throughout this of why Lance has been bad, but it seems like, like if you read the tea leaves, it seems like the 49ers are out. It seems like they, he seems to me much more likely to be traded than to start week one. Like right. if Brock Purdy's not available week one, I probably would bet on Darnold starting, which is about as damning a statement you can make about, about Trey Lance, right? And, and they seem to be completely out. And it actually brings me back to a conversation that happened around that draft. Remember when they traded up to number three, everybody thought it was for Mac Jones, right? And I wonder if they, everybody else said, all right, we need the upside. We need the upside with Lance, who definitely has it. We've seen his rushing ability. He can add a, an element to this offense, his downfield passing ability. He can add an element to this offense that was lacking with Jimmy. And it's probably going to be lacking with Brock. You're right. He can probably throw a little bit more downfield than Jimmy did, but still just 8.8% of his targets uh, targeted somebody 20 or more yards downfield. Like it's still not a big part of his game. Right. And so right. Lance can do those things that could expand this offense and could take it from a schemed up offense that elevates the quarterback to a quarterback that elevates the offense. If theoretically, if Lance hit his upside, he could do that. And so I assume that that's why they picked it, but it would be really funny if the reports were right. And Shanahan really did want Mac Jones. And then they just went the next year and found Mac Jones. with the last pick in the draft. And they're just going to ride out. Brock Purdy slash Jones, right? Brock Jones, we'll call him for, for, you know, the next five, six years, it would be a really interesting kind of, kind of uh, turn of events, but all of that. Yeah. I think, I think ultimately Bert Purdy's going to be healthy. I think ultimately he's going to start week one. I think ultimately Lance is probably done in San Francisco, unless something dramatically changes over, over, you know, OTAs and over, over training camp. But it's it's a weird situation because I don't know where the upside is here, but also, like you said, it doesn't really matter because we know that Shanahan doesn't need the upside to make this offense work. And so it's 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 an interesting situation. Yeah, and, and I I think that's the thing, because you, you go back to you what Lance was and like you talk about even when he had that little stretch when he um you know, came in in, in 2021, uh, where there was a lot of inaccuracy, but still by EPA per play, he was about even with Jimmy Garoppolo, but it was, you know, that high variance, right? There was a lot of really, really good plays, a lot of really, really bad plays. So I think they could have ridden with that. And, and there's nothing that, you know, I would have probably trusted a little bit for that to develop after, you know, week one last year, but then it just kind of seems like because of that Purdy thing, they're just like, man, we can win with this. So why risk some of that high variance, even though that kind of seemed to be the plan that they went with, with, um, with, uh, with the, the Lance pick in general. But I think when you can come in and I think also, you know, monetarily, this, this plays a big impact too, when you can get that type of play from a seventh round rookie contract compared to the, you know, 20, whatever you were going to pay Jimmy Garoppolo. That's a big difference. You're getting the same type of quarterback play for much, much cheaper. So I think that also plays a big part too. Like that, the, having the, you know, the point and shoot quarterback for whatever they're paying Brock Purdy is much different than, than having that lower ceiling from whatever you'd have to be paying Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's kind of just the 49ers like, man, this is a formula that works. If we can get it at the, the steepest discount that you possibly can, like you can't get much cheaper than a, a seventh round rookie or a seventh round rookie contract. He'll be in his second year now, but 
uh, I, I think that just kind of plays into it where, you know, this is, this is what works. Um, you know, if we have this, why, why not just, if it's not broken right now, we don't. Yeah. And like to kind of that point, like you would think that if a team hit on a seventh round quarterback, like everybody should be like really excited. And it Purdy's a hit as seventh round quarterbacks go. Like there's no, like there's nothing else to say about that. He is a hit as seventh round quarterbacks go. And so a team that hit on a seventh round quarterback, seemingly you'd be like, oh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And still we're sitting here. And the other thing I'll say about it is this. Maybe Purdy does have more than that. Maybe that was just a rookie coming into an offense that was tailored for Jimmy and they couldn't change it on the fly. And we're going to see a more expansive, maybe we'll see more running from him. He should be able to run more than what we saw last year. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll see some expansion of that offense. And then next year we're talking about this quarterback situation in a, in a very different light, but it, you know, it remains to be seen a quarterback. Let's move on to a quarterback situation where, you know, we're pretty sure that the 49ers are going to be okay. I am pretty sure the bucks are, are not going to be okay. And they're in a weird spot because the bucks seem to be, the Titans are kind of in this spot as well. A team that, very clearly should tear it down, but are seemingly one foot in and one foot out on trying to compete because we saw what they did in free agency. They brought back some players that you were like, why are they bringing these players back? What are we trying to do here? But then they didn't really address quarterback. I, I don't think signing Baker Mayfield can be, can be categorized as addressing quarterback, but they probably have a little too much talent to really tank. So what's the plan? What are we trying to do at quarterback? Is Kyle Trask the answer? I, I'm going to press X for doubt on a player who couldn't jump Blaine Gabbard on the depth chart being the long-term answer. But it's just a very weird team to try to figure out what they're trying to do and a very weird quarterback situation. Yeah, the Buccaneers are one of the strangest teams of the offseason. Because like you said, there were, you know, they, they did last off season they did the bring the band back together which which was fine because like you were going into what was probably the last year uh, of tom brady so you kind of wanted to just go out the fire in but to continue that this year and like the guys they brought back like you figured jamel dean was going to be gone he he comes back um you have uh levante david you figure he's going to be gone comes back um it's just and it's you know, older type of, you know, defensive players too. You know, Mike Evans might be traded. No, he's staying. Chris Godwin may be traded. No, everything is still kind of in place for this roster that was, you know, fairly old already um, and, and is still there. And then, again, you're just, you are going into what might be one of the worst quarterback tandems that we have right now in in baker and kyle trask i haven't finalized my rankings yet but it's gonna be hard to put a different team 32nd i think like it's it's rough it's a tough scenes down there yeah and i mean you're so you're gonna get a offensive structure that is probably better than whatever they had last year. Like if this was throwing Baker Mayfield into whatever the Byron Leftwich offense was last year, like this would be absolute disaster. Um, but 
it, they'll they'll take some of the Seattle stuff that working for will take some of the Seattle stuff that was working for Geno Smith uh, last year. It'll be hopefully you know some of the things that, that Baker is good at, some of the more you know under center play action stuff, this, the things he found success in. Um, although he probably you know wants to be a, a shotgun type of quarterback, it's he's one of those guys that kind of what he does well and what he thinks he wants to do well. I don't. There's not the biggest connection there. No one's, um, no one's more confident than Baker Mayfield. Not a soul in this world. He is, uh, well, he well, is we, the shoot it up. The we, six, we might, we might get to one who's close. Three. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. So, <laughs> uh, so it's just, it, it is, it's a very weird spot where they just kind of punted um, at, at this position. And again, like you said, it's, uh, there's still enough talent there, especially on the defense that I, this team's not going to be, one of the worst in the league. I would be very surprised if even with bad quarterback play, if that was enough to bring down the rest of this roster, I, I don't think they're going to be you know competitive even in the NFC South, but again, they're probably going to be one of these teams that's just kind of stuck in, in the middle a little bit. And even if it's the, you know, the lower middle, it doesn't give you a great plan going forward. So I, I still would, I like, I would expect Baker to beat out Kyle Trask because like, it's Kyle Trask. Like we've, it, we don't need to do that. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's one of the more odd situations because you just kind of look at what they're doing quarterback and what they did for the rest of the roster. And there, there's a big disconnect in, in whatever they're trying to do, which I, I still don't really know at this point. I mean, it's interesting. You brought up Seattle and obviously that connection is there with, with the coordinator because We'd be saying a lot of similar things about Seattle last year, except that we didn't even think they had any talent on the roster, uh, aside from you know Lockett and Metcalf and a few other you know a few other pieces. We thought they were going to actually be an awful team, and it turned out they weren't because Geno Smith had a career year. And it there is that path that you know Baker Mayfield has played well at different points in time throughout his career, especially younger in his career. He didn't play well last year, even if you want to make the rosy case about his starts for the Rams, it still wasn't good. He was still sixth worst in EPA per play and fifth worst in completion rate over expected during that time with the Rams. He wasn't dead last like he was with the Panthers, which is, that's improvement. I guess we're excited about that, but he still wasn't good. But, you know, there is a path. Baker has played well, like you said, if you can get him into play action, start doing those Stefanski things with him, then maybe, maybe we can find that again, to Trask, I, I just want to talk about this because it, I get caught up in these, and I know I shouldn't do this, but I get caught up in these very reductive, simplistic ways of thinking about players very often. And I'll give you an example from draft season. I'm a Penn State fan, and Will Levis couldn't beat out Sean Clifford. And that was essentially a disqualifying factor for Will Levis. Now, I have to say, it's now fifth round sean clifford for reasons i still don't understand but i'm excited for clifford i'm glad no one, he got his money no one outside green bay uh understands fifth round sean clifford but go ahead yeah i have i have no hard feelings about his over half decade of disappointing me uh every every fall no hard feelings at all sean I, i'm glad that you got your money i'm deeply confused by that but like this is a similar situation with trash you said we don't even need to talk about it he, like they played Blaine Gabbard over him last year, like in cleanup, right? Like I don't even, 
and I guess maybe you wanted the veteran and Brady might like Gabbard and all of that. And Gabbard's now moved on to another great quarterback room. So maybe Gabbard's just one of those guys, the Chase Daniel, who's just going to good quarterbacks like to have him in the room. And that's what it was. But it's so hard for me to get past that, to think he's going to beat out Baker. It seems like Baker is the one, maybe he comes back, but like, even if he comes back and plays like he did in Cleveland, are you competing for the NFC South? I just don't know what the plan is. And it, it becomes, you know, it becomes difficult. Uh, another interesting situation. If we move on to the Rams, the Rams are different than the Bucks because the Rams are different because although Stafford was bad last year, I think it's important to remember that two years ago, he was actually good, right? It wasn't just that they won a Super Bowl; He actually played well two, two years ago in 2021. Last year, he has a ton of caveats. He had the elbow injury. He had the back injury. Their offensive line was a disaster. I mean, that's not going to get any better this year, but it was a disaster. But then you also look at him. He has these injury issues. He has the back injury. Their wide receiver core isn't good outside of cup. We've seen other quarterbacks. Russell Wilson comes to mind that just fell off a cliff. Did Stafford fall off a cliff? If that's the case, are we going to see Stetson Bennett come out and start games this year? Like it's what are the Rams doing? Why, if this is the plan and that roster, I think you and I probably agree is one of the worst in the NFL. Why is Sean McVay still there? Like, why is he torturing himself with this? I, they're another team that it's different than the Bucks, but I'm just confused by what the plan is and what we're trying to do. Yeah, this the Rams are in a real weird spot because, you know, even if you... I could talk myself into just having Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, and Cooper Cup might be enough for a decent enough offense, which is okay. But you look at, at the defense, and I was kind of talking about our team needs pieces that we did. Um, there was no thing that I wrote that was sadder than having to go through the Rams' defensive depth chart. It just, it's, there's just That's nothing the there. Just to give an example of what, we're talking about we normally we would list three team needs for every team and so for the rams we listed the first two and then there were so many other we just listed everything else literally everything that's not a quarterback aaron donald or or um cooper cup is a need like everything is a need on this team and that's the problem how are you going to be good even if you have those stars how are you going to be good with a roster that is near the bottom of the league in quality yeah, and it's tough because I was I was a big proponent of what the Rams were doing team building wise. Um, I like F them picks was a very misunderstood and misconstrued type of a motto that got got taken into something that it wasn't actually like they they weren't getting rid of draft picks. The Rams often had some of the most draft picks in classes they were just you know in you know the middle and late rounds but when you are putting them especially on a defense into a system that has Aaron Donald kind of taking it kind of uh, Jordan Rodriguez writes for the Rams for the athletic kind of talked about it they had like two different universes right and the defensive line kind of rotated around Aaron Donald taking that universe and the secondary was around Jalen Ramsey. So you can plug in these very specific role players 
in this defense that maybe like any other team in the league would not get as much out of, but because you're putting them next to one of these two star players, and that is what is making everything go in that defense, it's easier for these role players to come in and make an immediate impact because they have a very specific role that they're filling. Now, without Jalen Ramsey in that secondary, that's a lot harder to do. And I think even with Bobby Wagner last year, when they had that, we saw, I think, uh, Ernest Jones had a a pretty good year uh, in that Super Bowl run and then kind of had a decent year next to Bobby Wagner last year. Now he's the guy who is kind of just in charge in the middle of that defense. That makes it it tougher. And again, we're we're talking about the defense while we're trying to be talking about quarterbacks, but I think it, it matters because... It's going to be very hard for this offense, even with Stafford, to be good enough to make up for what this defense is probably going to be, which is is going to be it's very t- it's just it's not going to be a good defense, even though you still have an Aaron Donald. I think um, Raheem Morris did a very good job of kind of implementing what he did and what the Rams had done previously um, in, especially in that lead up to the to the Super Bowl run. So. I think the, the structure is still there, but just the the talent just it really it isn't. So I think when, when you go back to the quarterback in Stafford, who's now in his you know mid to late thirties, and 35. and this is only thirty five. I like to quote. <laughs> yeah, but for like thirty five is like Stafford's playing in, in some dog years a little bit with like exactly. uh, thirty five for Matthew Stafford is not a thirty five for kind of some of these other quarterbacks that, that we've seen. Um, so when you just kind of look at what they have, like, this is not like, it's not going to be a fire sale because you can't get out of the Stafford contract. I think if you do it even next year before pre before June 1st, $55 million in dead money. Um, so if you do a post June 1st, uh, I think release it's, you know, 18 and a half, but then that puts 13 uh, 37 million in dead money on 2025 cap so it's tough it's a similar thing with with cooper cup it's just these aren't really movable contracts but again like the offense can maybe be fine because i trust it but again like what exactly is that giving you for whatever this next stage of the rams is going to be because i think like that is kind of where we're going we're, we're not really focused on this version of the rams anymore uh, but it's going to be a weird thing for 2023 at least and so Brian Windhorst who covers the NBA for ESPN always says when you win a championship, nothing matters. And they won a championship. So nothing matters. Like that's, that's basically what it boils down to. They won a Super Bowl and nothing matters. But at this time next year, if Sean McVay isn't there and Stafford is retired and Donald retires and they've moved cup and they turn into one of the worst teams in the league, would any of us be shocked by that? Like, I don't, I don't think that that would be a shocking kind of end to this. And that makes their backup quarterback situation very important. They spent that pick on Stetson Bennett in the fourth round when apparently every quarterback, every quarterback with a pulse was being drafted uh, around that time. And Bennett, you know, has two national championships. So there we are. Maybe he can make something of that. But I don't think anybody viewed him as a high end prospect. So maybe they're just like Stafford gets hurt again. Uh, maybe they're just bad enough that they can be in the Caleb Williams and Drake May sweepstakes. And that's how, I don't even know. Actually, I need to think about that. Do they even have their 2024 first round pick? They do. They haven't picked in the, they do. They haven't picked in the first round since golf. Is that the last since, first round yep. that they made? <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's been a while, but so yeah, maybe they can, maybe they can get things turned around and, and that way. But like, just like the bucks, it's just, what are you doing? And I think that, 
there's so many i've mentioned the titans there's so many of these teams that had their run and some of them won championships the titans did not unfortunately uh, for an old houston oilers fan like me they didn't win theirs but there are these teams that you're asking them okay what are we trying to do what's the goal here and if you go half one foot in and one foot out very often that doesn't work it works better in the nfl because you can turn around better with free agency and things like that than it does in you know other leagues but it's just i don't know what they're doing if next year everybody's gone that wouldn't be surprising to me and they're in full rebuild mode less need among those everybody and so i don't know what to do and from a quarterback perspective though Stafford could just come back and be 2021 Stafford again, and then they're fine. They have top-half quarterback play. They have one of the best wide receivers in the league who was still one of the best wide receivers in the league last year. Um, Cam Akers was fine. Maybe they can figure out the offensive line, and then you know, then they're good. And so it's, it's, a, it's a situation that could go really either way. Yeah, they're they're really interesting because I, I think the the Stafford health it does play a big part into it, and you know even like while the offensive line was was crumbling a little bit earlier in the year, there were just kind of some structural things that were going wrong with the Rams, uh, and I think I wrote about it maybe it was like October where you know defenses were kind of just figuring out what the Rams could do. Uh, they were just say, playing cover three on like the highest rate uh like defenses were playing cover three at the highest rate uh against the rams just to have that safety sitting in the middle of the field to just take away the crossers and there were just like no real counter that the rams had especially with Allen robinson as limited uh as he was there was just no secondary option so like that's going to be a big thing yeah and i mean like you just kind of like that odell beckham injury just kind of i think completely just threw off what the Rams were going to try to do could because you know Odell Beckham was on his way to being Super Bowl MVP if he stays healthy in that game uh and I think we just kind of saw in the back half of that season what that secondary option allowed them to do with cups so I think the Rams were really trying to find that piece again and they just they bet wrong um and the Robinson thing kind of stagnated a lot of that offense. And then Van Jefferson was injured and there was like as much that could have gone wrong for the Rams did. So it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I kind of trust McVay to, to figure some things out. Uh, but again, it's like that offense is going to have to be really, really good to, to make up for the lack of depth everywhere else. And that's a, that's a tough ask for what everyone is at this stage. Alan Robinson makes me so I don't think a player decline has made me as sad as Alan Robinson because he he goes through his entire career going back to college, by the way, because his college again, Penn State fan, his college yep. quarterbacks were bad. Like Hackenberg was good old Christian Hackenberg uh, was there at that time, if I'm remembering correctly. He goes through his entire NFL career being the best wide receiver with awful quarterbacks since um since uh i don't even know who oh since andre johnson andre johnson the best wide receiver that quarterback andre johnson and then he gets to a a situation that finally like oh this is going to be good and then alan robinson just isn't alan robinson anymore and i'm trying to not i'm trying to stay out of convincing myself that he's going to bounce back in pittsburgh like i'm trying to uh I'm trying to not buy into that, but we'll have to see what training camp reports do to my my feeble Owl and Robinson loving mind. Um, one more I think we we should talk about, maybe two more. They both are interesting situations because 
They spent a lot of money and a lot of assets to acquire quarterbacks uh, a year ago, literally less than a year ago for the Cardinals when they paid Kyler Murray $230 million and for the Denver Broncos when they traded for Russell Wilson and paid him even more money. I can't even remember how much money they paid him. A ton of guaranteed money. And now we're looking at both of these situations, the situation in Denver and the situation in Arizona. And we can start in Arizona as thinking about, do they have their quarterback? What does this look like? If they don't, how can they get out of it? Arizona's an even more interesting situation because Arizona, especially with Kyler out injured, Arizona's probably going to be bad. They're prop. They have the Texans pick. They have their own pick. They're going to be in a situation where they can draft Caleb Williams if they really want to spend the draft capital to do it, or they might just have the first pick themselves to draft Caleb Williams. Getting out of Kyler's contract is really hard. It's going to cost a ton of money. What do they want to do? What team do they want? Can Kyler be better just by getting rid of Cliff? Uh, will that just help? It's a it's a really tough situation for Arizona that, funnily enough, we'll talk about Denver in a second, kind of mirrors Denver to a to a weird degree. Yeah, and I th- so I, I think we've I think we've gone too far in one direction in for Kyler. I, I it, he's not bad. And I think like yeah, that is, it, it kind of feels like that's where a lot of people have gotten to um, at this point. That the man he is just even... likes Call of Duty. He just likes Call of Duty. And we just need to let him cook on Call of Duty. Everything will be fine. Oh, which is fine. But like, if you, we go back to, to what he was last year, which was easily his worst season, uh, he was still 17th in EPA per play uh, among quarterbacks, which like, if that's your worst season, like we're, we're still doing all right. Um you know, I had a lot of problems with some of the offensive structure that was going on in Arizona and kind of a, a lack of it usually. Um, so, and then I think one of the the real interesting things for like when Kyler does get back on the field and what his like quality of play is going to be is the deep ball just completely disappeared the last year um, in 2021, I, I wrote uh, during like the first half of the season, he was on like this ridiculous hot streak where he was completing like 60% of his throws of 20 or more air yards, which was just like absolutely ridiculous. That came down a little bit in the second half of the season, but you look at what it was last year, a 24.5% completion percentage on throws of 20 or more air yards. Um, you know, we're not going to use, uh, touchdown to interception ratio a lot here is like a sign of whether a quarterback is good or not but one deep touchdown and six deep interceptions was not great it's not good um less than ideal uh he was inaccurate on almost like 34 uh, percent or almost 35 percent of those deep throws it's just um it, it's crazy and i think some of that was the offensive structure right he 17 point Six percent of his deep attempts were to crossers in 2021. That dropped to six point one percent in 2022. So there, there was a lot going on there. And again, with the offense, but I think the, the the big question is is like we don't know what this offense is going to look like. I have absolutely no idea what like their oh, ideal cool. is, um, and I think that raises something. So I think if there is like we're going to move on from Kyler in 2024, which is a thing like they can do. It's uh, $46.2 million in dead money. If they trade him before June 1st in next year in, in next off season, which like we've, we've seen teams 
take that type of dead money hit to get out of a big quarterback and it actually opens up 5.6 million dollars in cap space so it's it's not the biggest detriment like they wouldn't have been able to do it this offseason they can do it next offseason they can also figure some things out but I think that's it's going to say more about where the Cardinals are as a team than I think Kyler as a quarterback um which is going to be different than some of the other quarterback things we've moved in we actually kind of saw it like with the Lions a little bit like I don't think it that the Stafford trade was not what Stafford was as a quarterback it's kind of where the Lions were at their at that time um they needed that reset and again it ended up you know year two of golf worked out um but it, it was more about what the, the team was and where they were and I think that's kind of where we're going to see the Cardinals here because you know they they kept Hopkins which I guess is, is fine but again like we kind of saw they're playing for 2024 anyway so if they trade him at any time from now till next season, it's a 2024 draft pick, which I think to them is more important than what a 2023 draft pick would have been if they had traded him this off season. Uh, so I don't think they completely mind that to, to this point, but I think you just kind of look at the rest of the roster. This is not going to be a good team. That's probably going to be without Kyler for maybe half a season. Um, so it, it is a weird spot where it's just like the, the Cardinals just kind of seem like, it, this is going to be a reset thing. And that says more about them than I think it's going to about Kyler. Uh, and I think unless like Kyler comes back and, and immediately plays great, uh, then I think that puts them in, in a weird situation. But given what this roster currently looks like uh, between the offense line, that the defense is, is not good. Um, not it. No, not no, it. there were, it's there were, th- Three players with 20 quarterback hits uh, last year, and zero of those three are on the roster uh, this year. So yeah. it's not looking good. Seems less than ideal. Seems less than ideal to me. I So, like, you talked about Kurt Mur- Murray was fine last year, which is true. Like, And he did a lot of that without Hopkins. Like, most of his healthy games were without Hopkins. Yeah, It is weird that his deep ball tanked after they traded for Marquise Brown. Like that was a that was a weird thing to have happen, but there it is. I am team I am team anti Cliff, and so anytime we can blame Cliff, I I hope he's having a great time in Thailand or wherever wherever he is now. So I I think that there are caveats here, and like you said, this team if they don't want to be like the other teams we've talked about and be one foot in and one foot out, then moving on from Kyler, resetting that timeline with a rookie quarterback makes sense if they can make that happen. And if Kyler can come back from this injury and play well down the stretch, that would help them be able to to do that. But he's also coming back from a knee injury. He's a quarterback that relies a little bit on his mobility, maybe a lot of bit on his mobility, even though he's the funniest looking running quarterback this side of Patrick Mahomes. He still relies on it. He still relies on it that way. And so I'm, I don't even know when he comes back, if he's going to be very good. And that really, if I'm trying to rank them for 2023, that makes it difficult because the Colt McCoy starts are going to be bad. They're going to just not be good. It's going to be the most bland offense that targets. It's going to be screens and James, James Connor targets for days and days and days and days. And I, I'm just not excited about that. I think rich has a stat rich has a stat that Colt McCoy's averaged 5.7 air yards per attempt over six starts the last two seasons, 5.7 air yards per attempt. It's, it's less than ideal. So yeah, we'll see. But with Kyler, to me, the best thing for the, to happen to the Cardinals would be they're bad. They trade him. 
they draft one of the rookies. Caleb Williams seems like, as Ryan McChrystal keeps saying, Caleb Williams isn't like the next guy. Caleb Williams is the guy. This is different than the next guy and the next guy that we've had in the past. This is more of a Trevor Lawrence. This is more of a Andrew Luck situation. And so if they're in position to do that, taking that reset, trying to get assets, trying to build a roster, probably makes sense. The Broncos are in a worse spot because the Broncos can't lose this year. The Broncos have to win this year. Sean Payton didn't show up to to do a rebuild. And Russell Wilson was not good. And you know, you can blame the finger injury from a few years ago, but his accuracy has been on the decline for several seasons. This wasn't like a one-year thing. Um, it seems like his personality didn't play well in the locker room, which I guess we'll we'll see how that we'll see how that moves around. But he has so much money owed to him. You you talked about how they can get out of get out of Kyler's contract. It would be much more difficult for the Broncos to get out of Russell Wilson's contract next year even if they made him a post june cut next offseason that's a net zero on the 2024 cap but it would push nearly 50 million onto the 2025 cap which would absolutely crush that and so it's it's a bad situation and i you know i i get caught up on these things and i keep saying it i get caught up on these simplistic reductive things that probably don't matter but they matter to me as someone who follows the news way too closely they paid jared stidham a pretty good amount of money for a backup quarterback and Sean Payton immediately caused him it called him an important signing and that just raises red flags to me it really raises red flags about what Sean Payton thinks he can do with Russell Wilson and it's probably not important but it's just kind of one of those you know that's weird that's suspicious i'm going to be watching this this year and i i want Wilson to bounce back i like Wilson as a quarterback as a you know as a personality, you know, that that's a little bit different, but I like him as a quarterback. I want him to, I want him to bounce back, but I, I don't know. Like it, this isn't, this, it wasn't just last year. There were signs that this decline was happening in his final few years in Seattle. And I, I'm a little bit worried about where this is headed. Yeah. I, so I, I'm very curious to what Sean Payton believes this offense should look like to control Russell Wilson. Because when we were talking about Baker of the, the disconnect between what Baker thinks he is and what Baker is good at, that other quarterback is, is Russell Wilson. Um, you know, Russell Wilson wants to be this, this shotgun, you know, empty. I'm going to throw it deep every play because that's what I can do. And, um, it's just, it's just not what he's good at, um, at least not this stage of Russell Wilson. And I think Wilson, and we kind of you know saw it with Nate Hackett, I think Russell Wilson had a lot of control over what that offense looked like. I think he had a lot of say into what that offensive structure was. And I don't think that was good for the Denver Broncos or, and Russell Wilson. Um, so I think with, with Peyton coming in, I think there will be a little more structure into figuring out what Wilson is actually good at instead of what Wilson thinks he's he's good at. And I think we we kind of saw like some of those deep balls. He was, you know, going um, you know, the 16% of his his passes were 20 or more yards down the field. And it, he had more plays of or more completions of 20 or more yards than he did um, you know, over the past 
two seasons, but that was because it was a very boomer bust thing. And that was just kind of all they had. Um, so when they were caught, they were good, but there were so many negative plays outside of that, that it didn't, you know, counter it or, or even make it, you know, a plus kind of EV type of, of play. So I don't think like this is going to be a, you know, shoot them up type of, of offense that, you know, Wilson kind of wants to be in, although they did, move up to draft Marvin Mims and Marvin Mims is a very fun, deep player. So like that meshes a little bit. So if they do want to do that, there's probably still a wide receiver trade here happening at some point, I would think. Uh, Cause I, I just don't think they conceivably keep everyone, um, whether that is in Sutton or Judy and yeah, Tim Patrick coming back uh, off of the injury. That's just too many wide receivers. Um, you know, you can never have too many, but like that's too many kind of like highly paid guys. You can move it around a little bit. I think so the number is the number is if they keep all three of them next year when Judy's fifth year option hits, they will be paying well, their cap hit for those three receivers will be something like forty three million dollars for three wide receivers, which is just it's just too much for us. It wouldn't be too much if they were three great wide receivers, but I think Judy is pretty good and i think he's shown that whenever he's been healthy sutton hasn't tim patrick it seems like a third wide receiver that's a lot of money to pay to a wide receiver core that is fine and not great you know that's that's too much money for that kind of yeah right now for 2023 it's already 44 million dollars for the receiving core which is the second highest uh, in the league per over the cap um so it's it's a lot uh, invested in that position um so it's just it's interesting. Like I, I don't know. Is again, like I just don't know what this version of Russell Wilson is, uh, what the ideal version of that is, and like what it's going to look like in a Sean Payton offense. And I, I think it's it's go it's certainly going to be better than it was last year because, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who likes to say like it can't be worse because it always can, um, but it's it's hard to imagine like there are worse situations than what the Broncos put themselves into last year, just kind of based on who was in charge, like who was kind of captaining that ship. Um, I think there's there's at least that is is in place. So again, like the long term outcome, and again, like Russell Wilson is is getting getting up there in age. So this this isn't like a a younger quarterback who can possibly bounce back. Like it's possible. Like it's just, this is it. Um, which, which would be sad because Wilson at his best, was like one of the most fun quarterbacks in the league to watch on a, on a week to week basis. But it just kind of seems like it's not completely there. The, the moon balls don't drop accurately quite as often. And it's just, uh, it, it's, it's a weird thing that they have to just kind of adjust for. And it, it might take a, a little bit in, the beginning of the season to kind of figure out what that right balance is. Uh, and that it might be a, a little concerning too, and probably leads more to, if it's going to take that long to, to figure it out, then maybe we kind of figure out what, what 2024 looks like without him. But again, like you said, the, the post June 1st cut is not great. Um, post June 1st trade. Like if, if he's bad, I don't think anyone's trading for him. Trading. Exactly. Um, but again, that that puts the the same dead cap hit uh, for 2024 or 2025, where it's almost 50 million dollars. It's just like this this isn't a contract that can really be moved. So they kind of have to figure it out at least for like the next two years. So that just it puts them in a, a very strange situation. 
can we just take this as we finish this up? Can we just take this as a Tyler Lockett appreciation moment that uh, Tyler Lockett might have made some of those plays happen? You know, you think of those moon balls going down there, and you think, oh yeah, Russell Wilson put it. You know, Tyler Lockett might have. He might have. We're gonna. We can just talk from a fantasy perspective here. Tyler Lockett is once again being disrespected this year in fantasy circles. He he is disrespected every single year. He always outperforms. He's always better than people think. It's uh, it's it's Tyler Lockett Appreciation Day in the in the Summerlin household today. Listen, I am always uh, pro Tyler Lockett uh, appreciation. Um, I remember. I think was it what. No, it might have been two years ago at this point. It might have been the, the 2021 season. Um, I uh, I kind of wrote about the Tyler Lockett was having like one of the best deep receiving seasons that we've kind of like ever seen. It was just kind of up there. Um, and that was in the 2021 season when kind of everything else wasn't working for Seattle. But like throwing the ball deep to, to Tyler Lockett still worked. Um, yeah, Tyler Lockett's still very good. Um, you know, they allowed DK Metcalf to do big, gigantic receiver things and that worked for a while and then he became a pretty good like more all-around receiver last year uh we got jsn like i can i'm very excited for the the seahawks offense but it's because all all of those guys are are good um but yeah uh, tyler russell wilson to tyler lockett was like one of the most fun connections for for a very long time it was a cheat code absolute cheat code i also how mad is russ that they they trade him away and they keep telling him no we're not we're just gonna run the ball they trade him away and then last year, I think they were sixth in pass rate over expected and like 10th in neutral pass rate with Gino Smith, who they just allowed to cook. Oh, it's it's the most Pete Carroll troll. And by the way, all apologies to Pete Carroll. I take it all back, buddy. That was that was amazing. Anyway, that's it for us. We're going to try to work through these quarterback rankings. I don't know if I've solved any of my problems. I still don't really know where to put some of these some of these but we're going to get them done before we get the book turned in again warren's 2023 season preview book warren sharp's preview book is going to be out there in july it's available for pre-order now go to sharp football analysis you can find that go to sharp football analysis you can find our draft kit rich rebar's rankings and write-ups for every single running back wide receiver tight end and uh, and quarterback that he has ranked are up on the site as well. Quarterbacks are free, so if you want to see kind of what you're getting, you can go and look at that. We'll be adding stuff to it. I'm going to do a fantasy strength of schedule article next week. We're going to be adding stuff to it all summer. Go and check that out. Dan, it was great potting over here with you. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll be back soon, definitely.